0: listening to Amphibicast. This week's episode of Amphibicast is sponsored by the Active Conservation Alliance. The Active Conservation Alliance is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization promoting ecosystem conservation and restoration, the sustainable use, and the welfare for wildlife and human communities living in balance. With a special focus on dart frogs, Many of the alliance's efforts work towards the conservation and reintroduction of wild dendrobatids into their natural habitat. To get involved and to donate, please visit activeconservationalliance.org or follow the links in the show description. You can also text ACA to six one zero nine four. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me again Uh, this week is going to be a topic i've been looking forward to cover for some time and i've got a great guest i've got christy Alemon of um, christy's ranitamea and we're going to talk about what else ranitamea and uh you know for everybody looking for this type of content you know i've been looking for you know a while to get somebody on the show and christy has uh, you know some a lot of stuff that she's going to share with us it's going to be a real interesting episode and uh, of course before that you know the usual stuff thanks to everyone for your support on the spotify apple podcast all those podcast players always appreciate the five star ratings Uh, if you want to take a moment give the show five stars easiest way to support the show and of course other ways to support the show check out all the links in the link tree you can find a 10 percent discount off of an in-situ ecosystems vivarium you can also find a link to the merch uh, merch store if you want to buy some uh, t-shirts and stickers and things like that you'll find all that stuff there and you'll also find a link to the patreon page if you'd like to support the show by becoming a patron I've got tiers as low as a dollar a month, and I've got the more popular five dollar a month tier, which will get you a shout out at the beginning of an upcoming episode. And of course, um, you know, check out the uh, uh, the uh, last link for our sponsor, uh, the Active Conservation Alliance. Uh, click on the link; it's a great way to get involved. They're a charity that you know does a tremendous amount for dark frogs in Colombia. So make sure you check that out. And uh, other than that, I'm uh, I'm ready to get into it now. Uh, Christy, how are you? How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing good. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Um, so, I, I mean, I want to get into Ranatamea, but um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get into the the whole like Well, how did you get into Dart Frogs, first of all? Why don't we start off that and then tell us about how you got into Ranatamea?
1: Okay, well, honestly, I've only ever had Ranatamea. Um, a few years ago, I ended up buying myself uh, a leopard gecko and i ended up with a tank that was needed to be upgraded and i was trying to figure out what i could do with the smaller tank and i started researching and came across dart frogs and you know I came across a bunch of different ones and then i saw ranisome, and i was like i gotta have one <laughs> And so I got my first Dort frog in March of 2021 and that's it. I was in love with him and that's really, that's the first time I ever had any amphibians at all.
0: Yeah, So you were hooked right away, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Pretty much.
0: So let me ask you this, because you you kind of started out from a, an interesting perspective. Um, a lot of people, I guess. Well, I mean, the the perspective's kind of changing, but a lot of people generally think of Ranatomea as not necessarily the most beginner friendly group of frogs. Most people recommend other species like Phyllobates, Terribilis, or um, some of the tinctorious locales. How was it, Trent? How was it transitioning into Ranatomaea as opposed to like transitioning from other species? Like how was it figuring out their husbandry and, you know, where did you look to for care advice? Like, what was that whole process like?
1: Um, I did a lot of research on YouTube, watched a lot of videos. Um, I read a lot of care sheets on different websites and, you know, and got into Dingerboard just, you know, I didn't want to dive in I, without knowing anything because that's never a good idea. And, you know, I did read and was told, because I had joined some frog groups on Facebook, was told Rana SMA was not a good thought frog, frog to start with. But I was like, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and I just did as much research as I could and dove in head first, I guess you could say. And I honestly didn't think I mean I hadn't didn't have any experience with any other kind of dart frogs. So when I got them I couldn't base, you know, how easy to they were to care for compared to anything else. But to me it wasn't it wasn't hard at all to take care of them. And I just made sure Their tank was set up right and the humidity was good. The temperature was good and honestly didn't have any trouble. They still going strong in their tank.
0: Now here's a question for you. You're, you're down in Louisiana. You've got a pretty different climate than we've got up here in the Northeast. Like when you talk about managing things like humidity and whatnot, um, I mean, is is Louisiana kind of a little bit more favorable in terms of just having the ambient temperatures and humidity and whatnot that might make keeping easier? Because like up here, it's it's the middle of winter, and I'm having like a nightmare trying to keep the humidity above like five percent in my house. How is, does that helped you at all? The the climate down there?
1: I mean, I'm sure it has. It's even during the winter it's, here, we don't have a you know a real bad winter. It's honestly. A lot of the times it's spring light during the winter, so the t- the humidity stays fairly high here even in the winter times. So I would imagine it's it hasn't been any trouble for me to keep the the tanks humidity up during the winter at all. Yeah,
0: I I envy you. It's been like really rough here. It's like <laughs> I'm not kidding. The humidity is like five percent in the room I'm sitting in now. So yeah, managing the tax has been a, a challenge. So you started. Oh, off-
1: I can imagine.
0: Yeah, so you started off with imitator. You said right.
1: Yeah.
0: Tell us about and your collection evolved. Tell us about some of the species and some of the locales that you're working with um, as of today.
1: Um, I currently have 19 different species and locales. Um, I have. Five different intimidators, yambedos, videro. I have rapidos, um, um, baja haluga. Um, I also have some variable southern and urukai gold legged. Um, another ones I really like the summer sauce and the white bandit. I have. Sar Sour, green and orange, and I have a couple Fantastica, the true nominal, and the Jeraboos, which is, I believe, the Jeraboos is um a newer frog into the U.S. I don't think many people have those yet. And I have vanzolini and Reticula solid. You know, those are. It's not all of them, but quite a few
0: of them <laughs> that's definitely a large collection how and you started you said about 2021 right how long did it take you to get yeah. all of these all of these frogs like did did you just kind of start off with a few and then gradually or did you kind of acquire a lot at one
1: time no I've been acquiring them over like the spring and fall and throughout the last two years like my most recent ones I got were in, in the spring where the Jeroboes and the Orange and the Sirenus Reticulated and White banded. I mean, you know, I get a few at a time during the spring and summer, but it all adds up. <laughs> I'm just glad my husband, um
0: hasn't complained too much <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know it's <laughs> i have um similar similar dynamic i mean we've we've kept animals my, i mean my wife's not necessarily an animal person but i am so we've been keeping animals together for the past like 20 years that we've been together so it's kind yeah. of it's it's kind of just a just a thing that we do here so we're all kind yeah. of used to it um so, like, was there any particular spot like that you picked up frogs that you pick them up at expos, private breeders, or how did you end up acquiring such a big collection?
1: Um, I got a lot of mine from um, Ruffin's Ran and Tamea and Phil Tan. Um, I've gotten a few from me off of MeWe, from people selling, you know, just private breeders on MeWe. And I've got most recently gotten some from understory enterprises, you know it's, but my main part of them is from um rough rana
0: so if you were to say if you were to recommend how to set up a tank because i I've seen some of your tanks on Instagram, and they're really pretty. If you were to set up a tank for one of the ranatomea species, maybe just give us like a hypothetical um why don't we say imitator? Uh, if you wanted to set up something for imitator, how would you set it up? Would you, large terrarium, small terrarium, uh, can they be housed in groups separately? Like what would you, what would your um, husbandry parameters include?
1: Um, intimidator do best, I would have to say in smaller groups. You no, know, not larger groups like say vanzolini can be a larger group of frogs. And they like the height, so if you have the room, the more vertical space you give them, they'll use every inch of it. Um, like an 18 by 18 by 24 would be excellent for Rand If you don't have the space, an 18 by 18 by 18 would also work. Um, I usually do, for my backgrounds, I do spray foam with cork and press it in with Gorilla Glue and cocoa fiber on top of that. And my plants, I mean, you you could put so many different types of plants in a vivarium. It just, it'll really depend on how much you want to spend. and. What kind of plant you like? But I highly suggest brom- bromeliads in your tank. think. and Samaia love brom- bromeliads, and also any kind of climbing vines. Or you can put moss on your background. I mean, there's so many options when it comes to it. More um, gravel. I even have mini orchards in my tanks, um, philodendron, burromax fantasy, um, ficus oak leaf would go good there, some microgramma I have in my tanks. I mean, the, honestly, the options are aim- endless and I also have begonias in a lot of my tanks now. I love the color the begonias give in all my tanks.
0: And what about like maybe we'll, we'll we'll run through like a couple of consp- a couple of maybe comparisons. I know that um, I've heard that certain species are a little bit more shy than others, and some are a little bit more bold. Can you give us an idea yes, of maybe definitely. yeah maybe like a couple of different species or locales, maybe how their behavior is different, and um, you know if you wanted to work with a certain locale, what you could maybe expect. Why don't we pick one that's bold and maybe one that's super duper shy.
1: Okay. Um, I have to say, my honestly, the boldest frogs I have, or the Uriquai gold-legged, those are the absolutely boldest frogs I have. You will see them out all day long. They rarely hide, honestly. And the shyest frog I probably have right now is my true nominal. Those they've honestly just now I've been having them over a year, and I'm just now seeing them a lot more and when I say a lot more, it still doesn't mean it's a whole lot. <laughs> you know they like to hide and if you go by their tank, they go on if they're out. they're running for cover. but a lot of my frogs. You know, most of them are fairly bold, um, except for those and then the reticulous. Those like to stay in the leaves. To be honest, those are more of a terrestrial frog than they. you find them up on the background. They love to stay in the leaves and hide in the leaves. Also my green-legged, my, my siren, is, excuse me, those, I rarely see those too. They're supposed to be a bolder frog, but to me, they're not bold at all.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's, there is some variation between different species, like, 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 for example, like some people keep like, I mean, obviously they're not ranatomea but like some people keep Dendrobates erratus and say they're really shy. And then some people will say, well, mine are a little bit bold and, there does seem to be some some variability.
1: Exactly. it It, it is, honestly. Um, I've heard, I don't have um, Sirenus Highlands, but I know some people who have them, and some people say mine are like bold and out all the time. And then another person I know with them, they say they never see them. So it, it honestly can really depend on the frogs. Just, I guess everybody's personality is different, even in frogs.
0: Yeah, there's always that rule that that somehow gets uh, somehow gets broken.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, what was the learning curve from you know you you started off really straight into Ranatomaea. Um, You know, obviously, you didn't. It was the first amphibian group that you kept. Like, what was some of the, the, the learning curves that, that, you know, from keeping when you started up until now, like, what were some things that you learned along the way or some maybe mistakes or things that you thought you needed to work out? Like, how, how, did, like, how did the whole process of, you know, once you actually had the me, how did that unfold?
1: Well, honestly, the first tank I did for my Yombedos was not a vertical tank and that was that i learned in the process of i got them and i you know i was like this is not working out because and it was a top opening tank which is that's a no-no they was they would shoot out every now and then and my advice is don't get a top-opening tank ever, (laughs) and we ran into me. And so that was a learning curve. So I quickly, after having that first tank, did another tank that was a vertical tank and was a front-opening tank. So that was one thing. And also learned that when I first got it, got them, I was misting too much and my leaves are staying way too wet. Thought I was doing right, but wasn't the case. In your vivarium, you want the leaves to stay, you know, dry. You can they can be wet, but you want them to dry out during the day. You don't want them constantly wet. Cuz that means your tank is too wet. So that was one thing I've learned. And let me see. Plants also with plants. When I first got into begonias and things like that, you know, you have you're learning about what kind of light each plant does best with and where their placement is. So that's a kind of learning curve also with with having frogs. And the frog honestly. The frogs themselves is not the main thing I had to learn about. It was the environment you have them in. You know, to make it perfect for them is really what your learning curve is, to be honest. You know, you have to learn everything, you know, temperatures and like, when I first started, I didn't have a temperature gun, so I really didn't know the temperature inside my tank, which it was fine after I got one. But you know, uh, suggest one of those to make sure your temps are good. But for the most, it was really about keeping the tank at proper humidity and keeping your plants from melting (laughs) in the, you know, with too much water or drying out from too little water. That was really my learning curve, you know, that I had to really perfect, honestly.
0: Yeah, the plants can be, that's a whole... It's funny because so it's many people, are, yeah, so many people are into it <laughs> for for the the frogs, and some people are more plants, and some people are plants and frogs. I just, I mean, my plant game is not like you know, not nothing to write home about. But um, yeah, it's it's challenging when you have. You know, what's funny? What I've noticed is, I did a, a, I usually like every six months, I'll do kind of like a major overhaul on my tanks, where I'll pull out any any you know, excess plants that I don't want in there. I'll change the substrate or leaf litter and whatnot. And the funny thing is once I pull everything out that I don't want, the humidity just drops. And it seems like every other plant in the tank seems to like, you know, be affected by that too. Cause I mean, everything, everything I pulled out of one tank, I mean, I, I pulled a lot of stuff out and you figure, you think like, okay, well now it's got extra lighting and whatnot, um no <laughs> no everything else kind of yeah. kind of withered and uh you know it'll come back but yeah it's it's yeah, frustrating the,
1: the plants the plants definitely help keep that humidity in the tank they really do i've done that also pulled out a, a bunch of plants in a tank before and I'm like what is wrong <laughs> and that's what i figured it was the humidity those plants were keeping that humidity stable.
0: Yeah, I've even had issues where I've trans, if I'll transfer one plant to another tank because I have. um If anybody's seen my Instagram account, I have this this one tank with these like massive bromeliads, and they threw they threw pups, and I'm like, okay, great. Now I've got these. And now I can have massive pups. So I have a plant tank that I kind of transfer everything to. And, like, I transferred the pups, and they just, like, melted and, and died. And I don't know what it was, but the that other tank... It's probably w- too wet. The funny thing is, this tank that I have them in <laughs> now is actually... The bromeliads get misted, like, three times a day. I think it might mm-hmm. have actually... I'm not sure. It might have been too dry, or I don't know what it was, but... They just kind of sh- like shriveled up and died within about two weeks. I was pretty, I was pretty disappointed.
1: Yeah, they shriveled up and died, and yeah, it was it probably was too dry. If they melted, then I would say it was too wet. That's usually what happens. Dry, they shrivel up, and they usually melt when it's too wet.
0: Yeah. So, what about? What about breeding now? I, I'm assuming you've had, cause I mean, I'm kind of, kind of looking through your, your photos here on Instagram and you got some great photos, by the way. Um, you've got Thank eggs, you. you've got tadpoles. Now, it, is breeding something that you were out to accomplish or that's just something that just kind of happened along the way?
1: That just kind of happened along the way. I honestly never had any intention of getting more than one type of frog when I got my first ones let alone ended up becoming a breeder but i love raising them and it just kind of exploded from there but yeah breeding um some frogs breed no issues you just let them do their thing and they they pro they're prolific breeders and they only lay two to three eggs per clutch but They lay steadily, and then you have other other frogs like my arena blanca, they lay, but you know, between clutches it could be a couple weeks where every week my intimidators are laying a clutch, sometimes two in one week. And my reticular solid there, to be honest, they've, well, not the hardest because I've been having my true nominals for a year and they still weren't breeding for whatever reason. I can't figure it out, honestly, with them. But my reticular solid, they're very particular and picky about lay, so you have to give them plenty of options for laying sites with their eggs.
0: Now when you say options you mean like just lots of different plant choices or I know a lot of people will put uh, film canisters in there as well to offer more yeah. sites.
1: I have um bromeliads in their tank. Um probably about three three or five of them in there. I don't work. And have, <laughs> you know, some film canisters placed in the leaves because they like to leave sometimes and along the glass in the background, you know, to give them hints. But lately their favorite places have been in the Brahms, so I'm still waiting on one. They haven't gotten the hang of actually making a fertile clutch. They just started breeding probably about a month and a half ago. And I haven't gotten fertile eggs yet. But, and that's another thing. Some, some frogs will take a little while to get the hang of breeding. I had, which ones was it? I'm trying to think. I had another group of frogs. I have a group of frogs that took a while to get it. Oh, it was my own, Baja Haluga, surprisingly. They took a little while once they started breeding to to get some fertile eggs, but now now that they got it down, that's that's steady every every week. At least they have a clutch.
0: And what about eggs and tadpole rearing? Like, are you letting the the parents raise the you know raise the tadpoles up themselves, or what are you doing? Um,
1: no, I usually I'll pull the eggs every now and then. They'll, they'll get some past me. They'll end up having a surprise little froglet here and there, <laughs> but that's not, it's not too often, but I usually pull the eggs and I have little, little food containers that I'll take a Petri dish and put the eggs in a Petri dish and spray them. With some water, some distilled water, and have a little water in the bottom of the container just to keep the humidity up. And in about two weeks, they're ready, usually ready to go into water, which I have. I have some little containers. I guess they're kind of like, they're meant to hold craft beads, and they got nice size. Comportments in it, and I think it's like eighteen little compartments in the thing, and uh I'll, I'll breed them put one in each compartment with distilled water and almond leaf and change the water out every probably every week I'll do a partial water change them and feed them twice a week and. In about two to three months, they're coming out of water, and they go into a grow-out bin.
0: What are you feeding the uh, the tadpoles? Do you have a preference in terms of diet?
1: Um, I usually I'll feed them high quality fish food. Um, I honestly can't think of the name right now because it's back in a different room, so. I know one, I had uh, Houston frogs um, before. They're typical food and it's pretty good. But right now I've been feeding um, just high quality fish food and they do very good on it. I wish I could remember the name so I could tell everyone. (laughs)
0: And what about supplementation for the adults? Do you, like, what do you, like, what's their, their, I mean, I'm curious as to how you feed the froglets because they're probably really small, but the adults, what are you feeding them? Like dusted melanogaster or like, will they eat hidey eye? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: No, hidey eye is too big. They, they only eat um, melanogaster um, and I dust it with Rapacee Calcium Plus and I do vitamin A Ripashi, um, twice a month. 1st and 15th of the month. My adults get fed every other day. Once they're a year old, under a year old, I feed daily, like my froglets, and any frogs I get that are mine, that go in my tanks, my personal tanks. um, If they're under a year, I feed them daily. You know, just to make sure they're getting good supplementation and eating well, growing, but not frog all yeah, they get fed. Springtails, I usually start them off for the first week and like the grow outs are seeded with springtails. And then once they reach about a week old, I'll start feeding them fruit flies, the melongaster fruit flies. I like to, um, I know they say you should throw away your cultures at 30 days, but honestly, I keep mine past 30 days because once the culture is older, they produce smaller flies, like tinier than normal Melanogaster flies. So those are honestly perfect for the tiny froglets. So they can eat those a lot better than the, Bigger melangaster flies that usually produce when you first start a culture so that kind of works out so I'm curious
0: when the froglets morph out they've got to be really tiny I mean how, how big are these things
1: honestly probably about the size of your pinky nail maybe a little bigger they're really tiny very important to have an ample supply of springtails.
0: Do you have a preference for how you culture your springtails?
1: Um, I find on clay. I, f- I find it, it works so much better than the charcoal. I still have some charcoal cultures, but honestly, they don't keep up with the the clay cultures.
0: I've had the same experience, too.
1: It's really no comparison in my opinion
0: yeah the clay the clay seems to be the way to go. The funny thing is I've noticed that and this this may be kind of a weird thing, but i um I have a grow out bin right now that I had stock with some springtails. I have some little um orange blackfoots that are growing up in it, and I have a like a little pudding cup filled with some some clay. Just in case the frogs want to go into that. And on the other end there's a couple of lumps of charcoal. And it's funny because the springtails actually <laughs> avoid the clay, but they hang out on this little lump of charcoal. So I don't I don't know if, if the springtails prefer it or not, but I I definitely get a better yield out of the clay as opposed to the charcoal.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, it's just a st- I I've put
1: put charcoal and some of my grow outs before too, and they do seem to like the charcoal.
0: Yeah, I always wonder what it is.
1: I don't know, maybe it it's the minerals or something in the charcoal that it might have maybe.
0: Yeah, who knows. Um. So, uh, I mean with all you with this large collection you have, I mean, I I have by and large, I have some pretty large frogs. I have a lot of phylobates. It's kind of my favorite genus. So, I'm feeding a lot and a lot of large stuff, you know, I, I stopped doing Heidi, I, but you know, crickets and whatnot. Um, yeah. I mean, is it more like cost effective to feed ranitimae because they're so small? I mean, do you need to make a lot of cultures to keep up with all these individuals as opposed to like me, if, if I was keeping the same amount of a larger species?
1: Um, honestly, I only do seven, make seven cultures a week for all of my frogs that's including all of my froglets and my 70 something adults
0: that's a big difference Which, I mean, yeah <laughs> i'm making that yeah. for like uh <laughs> i'm making about seven cultures every two weeks for my i don't know how many adults i have now but it's nowhere near <laughs> nowhere near as many as you have
1: <laughs> yeah But yeah, when I tell people that's how many that little amount of cultures I make for all of my frogs and froglets, they're usually surprised.
0: Yeah, it definitely seems like it's uh, a lot more manageable, and um, I, I, I I like the big species, but it's man, they they eat like (laughs) they eat so much.
1: Yeah, that's what I hear.
0: So, with all these froglets that are growing up and whatnot, what what are you doing with the offspring? Are, are you selling them, or how do you how do you handle yeah, them?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I usually sell them on um, the groups on either on Facebook and post. I ran it Christy's ran some Maya page or I am, and lately I just most of the time. I don't really even have to post them anymore. People are contacting me in advance before I even post my froglets, to be honest. Do you have... I kind of go quickly.
0: <laughs> do you have any interest in, uh, like, crossing over into any other any other genera? Like, you ever, ever think about getting, like, wufaga or dendrobates or... Um, any you know the epapita baby species, any, any chance you're interested in getting into other ones as well?
1: I mean, I did honestly, I do have a pair of Ufaga um colon drago that I recently got from Mass to who needed to you know sell some of his collection for personal reasons because you know his wife his wife's health. So i bought them from and they recently just started breeding but honestly i think i mean i, I don't plan on getting rid of them but honestly i think A is just my thing
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting because like i came from a time where like it's like i hear people who are like just kind of getting started now as opposed to people who've kind of been around and you know keeping i don't mean frogs i just mean keeping exotics and like i remember when i started out every you you had to have like one of everything and it just seems like people are progressing more towards specializing on one group one group you know one genus or even one species and not really you know not getting into others ones as well and um uh, it's it's interesting it's interesting to see you know like I keep a bunch of different species but more and more um I don't know I am number one I'm not getting any more frogs but I've kind of yeah. I've kind of developed more of an affinity for just for phylobates. I don't know I just I just like them that they, they're like big golf balls that eat everything I don't know well, that's just to me that's <laughs> that's endearing but I I guess you know rats yeah. may obviously have their their charm as well
1: Yeah exactly I mean, I've thought about getting other types of frogs, but when it comes down to it, I just, I've had opportunity to, you know, obviously I could buy any frog I wanted if it's for sale, but I always go back to Rannis It's just, that's what I want to specialize in.
0: Do you ever vend at Expos at all?
1: No, no, I haven't started doing that yet.
0: Do you have any interest I in mean, it?
1: it could, I mean, eventually, yeah, I think I would. You know, it'd be nice to branch out a little bit. Go to a few shows. I sell my frogs so, <laughs> so quickly, uh, frog licks so quickly, just as it is. I uh, really most of the time I, uh, when shows come around, uh, that are close, I don't have any froglets available to, to even bring to a show. So,
0: yeah, you're not the first person that I've heard that from too. I've talked to, you know, quite quite a few people who who breed and people who have their own businesses, and I've actually heard of people going showing up to an expo and every frog is already sold prior there too yeah. or not everyone but like a substantial like i know someone who sold out of pamilio like within like an hour of being at the show and that's you know inc- not including the ones that were already sold and spoken for
1: yeah cuz i've i've been to a few shows um in louisiana and to be honest there weren't many dark frogs there they were more reptile based shows and Pac-Man frogs and leopard geckos, you know, chameleons. But there was I think there might have been one, maybe two vendors that actually had dark frogs and they didn't have very many.
0: Yeah, we've got a few good good vendors up here. I mean the the I mean bear in mind I only go to like one show that's like maybe 15, 20 minutes from my house. I don't really, I don't go to the yeah. out of state shows, but um, uh, I mean, American Frog Day, I believe, is going to Texas this year. So it should be, I, I think it's, I don't know if it's going to be in the Houston area. I don't exactly know where, but uh, it'll be down, it'll definitely think, be down there by you.
1: I think I saw it's supposed to be somewhere closer to Dallas, I believe, maybe this year in October. I know, if I'm not mistaken, they—I saw it was supposed to be somewhere around Dallas, maybe just outside of Dallas.
0: Yeah, I heard. I heard the announcement the other, the other. Actually, well, by the time this comes out, it would have been a while back. But um, I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, 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 who was it? Who was it? Who was it? It's, it's eluding me at the moment, but it was at like 11 o'clock at night and I was like half asleep. So I kind of like rolled over and <laughs> looked at the phone and saw it and then went back to sleep. So I don't quite remember, but that'll definitely yeah. be, um, you know, an in, in interesting, uh, interesting place to host it this year.
1: Yeah. Um, um, I really want to go to it this year, so I probably will since it's a lot closer than Chicago.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely closer to Chicago, than Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, moving forward, what are your goals for the long term? In terms of like keeping the Maya? I mean, are you looking to get more frogs or are you looking to start, you know, a full-time business? Like what's what are your goals over the next few years to like what do you want to accomplish?
1: Um um getting some more frogs in March. And to be honest right now I have room for just a couple more tanks until my son moves out <laughs> when he's finished with college, or whenever he d- decides to. Um, then I'll have a bigger space, which will be his room, to have more frogs. So my my end goal, just with having frogs, is to have as many different species and locales of Ranitomeya that I can have until I run out of space. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I my goal is to would love to be able to succeed in making it a a true business. That would be awesome.
0: Yeah, I just I I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't uh, I don't know. I don't have the discipline for all the breeding and everything like that. Like when I have tad when I have tadpoles, it's 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 very very rare, and I just i'm like man i'm like i don't know how people can do do this full-time it's just such a and it's just i don't know maybe i'm making it harder for myself but like i'm i always worry i'm like uh, are they like are they you know are they getting enough nutrition am i doing this yeah i don't know i just i obsess i obsess so much i couldn't imagine how people you know do it do it full-time every day
1: (laughs) yeah uh, i guess i obsess a little bit less
0: (laughs) yeah well, we're kind of at the end, but I wanted to ask you if you had any advice for someone who's looking to get any ranitimaeus species, and I, I know obviously there's, there's caveats, I know certain species are more difficult than others, and um, some might not necessarily be a beginner per se, but um, if someone wanted to just start out, someone who, you know, maybe like yourself, just didn't have any dart frog experience, like, what would you recommend that person do to prepare for acquiring their first ranitimaeus species?
1: I would suggest to find either do research, and if you can find someone, I, I'm always willing to help anyone who's just starting out or have questions. Sign, you know, do your research. If you can find videos on how to set up a tank properly, care sheets, I know. A lot of websites have care care sheets for dart frogs. Um, Houston Frogs is one of them, I know for sure. And do your research. That's the biggest thing I can say. Make sure you're okay with having flies in your house. Because honestly, you will, (laughs) and Honestly, if you can find a mentor to ask questions to in the Facebook groups, or like I said, I'm always happy anybody wants to message me, go on my Instagram or Christy's Grant's me on Facebook, send me a message, and I'm always happy to help answer questions and walk you through setting up a tank. But once, honestly, once you do your research, it's a lot easier and you won't be so overwhelmed. There's so much information and sometimes it can be the wrong information. But once you confirm that you have the right information, it's honestly very fulfilling. I love setting up new tanks. That's one of my favorite things to do. But when it comes to getting if you want to get into random tomatoes, I always suggest for your first frog that you go with the boulder frog. You know, you want your frog. <laughs> um, any of the intimidators or uh, the Eureka, gold legged is very bold, Vanzolini, Southern. Those are some of the ones I suggest as first frogs. And I would avoid any of the Benedicta. Those are very, very flighty and fast. Like, I don't have any yet. I'm gonna get my first Benedicta next month. But I hear those are very, very, one of the fastest ran into me. when they get, if they get out, they will dart off like a flash of lightning. <laughs> but yeah. A lot of research is your best bet.
0: Yeah, always good. To, always good to know about what you're getting into.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: All right, so Christy, everyone can find you on Instagram and Facebook. Christy's rounded to mayor, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Any other any any plans on making a website or anything like that in the future?
1: Um, I'll probably will. I don't know how soon, but. That's one of my goals as well, is to have something other than Facebook or Instagram. People can go to, and I can load put my frogs for sale on a website.
0: Yeah, seems so, seems to be the way to go. Yeah, yeah. All right, everyone. I want to thank Christy for taking the time to come and talk to us about you know her journey through keeping Maya. and it's it's interesting because I mean, me, me I always kind of thought that you know getting into Ranatomea was like really really advanced and you had to have you know years of experience with other species and no i mean uh you know christy started off with ranatomea and had a lot of success and um you know it's great hearing about her experiences and um you know if you guys are interested i guess you know check christy out reach out and find out more if you're looking to get some frogs give her a shout so All right, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a
1: pleasure talking with Christy, and I will catch up with you guys again soon.